Every single time Hunter wakes up from a nap these days, he's asking for a snack and it's usually a fruit snack. And I used to say heck no to all kinds of fruit snacks and goodies like that because I hated all of the artificial dyes, harmful ingredients, and the ridiculous amount of sugar that they have. And while I still am a big proponent in not having all of those things all the time, I find so much hope in knowing that Thrive Market has me covered and has Hunter covered for not just all of those sweet fun treats, but also other essentials while keeping him safe and healthy. And it's honestly become a fun little tradition for Michael and I to sit down and pick out our Thrive Market order. They're so amazing and such our go-to for delicious snacks and pantry essentials and so much more. Their app is so easy to use and everything is delivered to our doorstep in a matter of days, which drastically reduces my stress level because making time to go to the grocery store is my least favorite thing to do. Plus, I'm obsessed with their standards. They restrict literally 1,000 plus harmful ingredients and they only allow the most trusted ingredients for you. I mean, even last order, I saved $20 and got an incredible deal on the poppy probiotic sodas that I love. Plus, it's not just good for your family. When you join Thrive Market, they also gift a membership to a family in need, which is the greatest. So let's save time and money and shop Thrive Market today. Go to thrivemarket.com slash truthtalks for 30% off your first order. Plus, you get a $60 gift for free. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash truth talks. Thrivemarket.com slash truth talks. You're listening to Truth Talks with Tara. The purpose of this podcast is to help you know, love, and live God's word. My name is Tara and I'm your host slash new best friend. Each week, we'll dive into the depths of scripture together. We'll answer questions that we all have as believers, have hard but good conversations, unpack passages in the Bible, and have deep, encouraging conversations with some amazing guests. My prayer is that God would use this podcast to grow your love and knowledge of His Word so that you can live for Him more. Are you ready, friend? Let's get into it. would you look at that? This is a special bonus episode this week. I'm excited to crank out multiple episodes this week to celebrate something awesome that is happening this weekend, this very weekend as you listen to it. Consecrate 2021 is starting this weekend. This is a brand new mission, a brand new conference that is starting to help awaken revival in the Gen Z millennial generation to be reminded that we're actually called and born to be consecrated, meaning to be set apart for God, calling them back to a life of holiness, a life of dedication to God's word. My awesome friend Luke Lefevre is here on the show today. He is the guy that has put on this conference and will be speaking as well at this conference. And so we're talking today about this idea of consecration, how to be a people that are set apart from the world for God and for his mission. So today, we're going to dive deep into that conversation. I'd also encourage you to follow Consecrate on Instagram. This isn't going to be their last conference. If you're listening to it last minute and you can, go to Dallas and join them in the conference. The tickets are free. It's going to be an incredible weekend. So sit back, relax, enjoy this episode, and make sure to keep following Consecrate for all of the other conferences and events and movements that they may be having in the near future for you. Okay, here we go. Pumped about this bonus episode and hope you you are too. 
Hey, Luke, welcome to the podcast. I am really, really excited to sit down and talk with you and thankful that we've connected over the past few months. So why don't you go ahead and share with everyone listening who you are, what you do, um, what you're passionate about, all the good things. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on, Tara, and super thankful that we've gotten connected recently as well. So thankful for your voice and what you're doing in our generation. It's just so important and really honored to be on today. Um, a little bit about me, man, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> yeah. People people always ask, they're like, Luke, what do you do? And I'm like, man, that's really hard to describe. Um, I would say as far as what I'm passionate about and what the Lord has me doing is, you know, I'm passionate about seeing my generation reached with the gospel. And that looks really different depending on what, what we really sense the Lord is asking us to do. And um, that's mm-hmm. kind of been the, the uh, I guess the question of my life is just, Lord, what are you asking us to do? And that looks like us putting on different outreaches and things like that to reach the next generation in our city and in our area, or um, as, you know, things that we're looking to do in the coming months to call a generation into greater levels of, of uh, devotion to Jesus. And yeah, yeah. Um, about me personally, I'm married. I got married in October um, to my beautiful wife, Rebecca. And uh, marriage has been the best thing. It's been so amazing. And uh, yeah, I live in Nashville, Tennessee as well. And so it's a little bit about me. I love that. I am so, so thankful for your sweet wife too. And I think it's super cool. I remember we got connected. I'm like, oh my gosh, we're both kind of in the newlywed stage. I think you guys have been married, I think doubly as long as we have, but still like fairly, fairly newlywed still too. I was telling a friend the other day, side note, that like, marriage is the best. Like people tell you that marriage is the best, but then I don't think you fully realize it until like you get there yourself. Like yes. I didn't really fully understand that. And I'm like, it actually is the best. It's kind of indescribable. <laughs> yes. It's amazing. It's like, it just, especially when you have someone that's running alongside you, that's yeah. pursuing the yeah. Lord in the same way that you are. And it's like, man, this is how the Lord intended it to be. It's just been so good. Yeah, 100%. I am really excited to talk a little bit more about you and Rebecca's shared vision as well later on in the episode and what God's doing. But before we dive in, um, I think this is kind of a random icebreaker. I would love, Luke, to hear something that you're loving in your life, like a favorite thing. Um, I always am really excited to see and interested yeah. to see what people are are loving so that maybe we can get on the train too. Yeah. You know, this is like kind of random, but so there's we live in Nashville, like I said, and we're a little bit south of Nashville. And there's this new um, place that just opened up like right down the road from us. There's a, a little town called Nolansville. It's like right down the road from where we are. And it's like this, it's called Oh My Chive. It's like a, it's an interesting <laughs> name, but it's this like, um, all, it's basically like a really mini Whole Foods. So it's like got this, nice. this nice. all natural market and everything. And then inside they have these three different businesses that are all in there. And one is like this place that makes like fresh donuts every Saturday. And one is a, a coffee shop. And then another one is a, a juice bar. They make like acai bowls and things like that. And it's like the just the best like little spot to go hang out on a Saturday morning. And I'm like, I'm so excited that it's there. I've been telling everybody, I'm like, have you checked <laughs> it out? It. You should get there. Like, it's amazing. So I've been loving that. That's awesome. I love when you find little like not necessarily hole in the wall, but kind of hole in the wall places yeah. that you wouldn't necessarily find. And um, it kind of gives like that kind of gives like the small town kind of vibe too, which is so fun. Yeah. Oh, and I wish I lived in Tennessee. I keep telling Michael, I'm like we like jokingly, but like 
like a tiny bit serious. I'm like, we should move <laughs> to like Tennessee or Texas. I'm like, because I feel like everyone, I feel like everyone's doing it right now. You know, I'm oh, over totally. here in the West Coast, and people are like, we got to move to the South because they're doing it right. So, <laughs> hey, if you want to move to Nashville, I know a ton of people that could get you set up with a place. You should do hey. it. Hey, <laughs> me and maybe me and Rebecca will start trying to convince you guys to move here. All right. Hey, I mean, I, I am like already kind of like my foot's in the door. So we'll see if we can get Michael. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. So I am really, really excited and passionate about this topic, but I know you are even more so, Luke. And it's this idea of consecration. Big word, friends that are listening. Big word, consecration. Yeah. Living a life um, that is really, um, I was going to give it away, but consecrated for the Lord. So I'm going to let you tell them, Luke, um, what is this idea of consecration? Where do we see it in the Bible? I mean, because honestly, to be super honest, it wasn't a word that I really remembered a lot when I was even growing up in the church and in the word. So let's just dive into definitions and some scriptures. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like you said, consecration and and being consecrated, that's not a word that's extremely popular anymore in, in today's Christian culture, but it used to be something that was talked about a ton more in our parents' generation, our grandparents' mm-hmm. generation. And you're really, the, the, one of the first times that we see this in the word is in Leviticus, where they are consecrating Aaron and his sons to be priests before God. And consecration has this, this connotation of, of something being set apart for a holy purpose, to be set apart for a specific purpose and to be dedicated completely to God. And so in Leviticus, you see the the priests being um, set apart for this purpose to say, we will live separate Mm. to come before God on behalf of mankind. And that's one of the first places that we see it with the priests. And with consecration, there is a a, kind of enveloped in there is this idea of holiness, of living Mm -hmm. a life that is holy unto God. You know, the priests on their turban, when they would go in before the presence of God, they would wear this this piece on the front that had inscribed on it, holy unto the Lord. Wow. And it was this sign of going, we have, we have set apart our lives to come before God on behalf of mankind, uh, to, to come before and to come into the presence of God. And, you know, so there's the priests. And then another key place that we see this in the scriptures is with a group of people called the Nazarites, which mm-hmm. is a really interesting concept. Um, but so essentially Nazarites, they were people that had taken a vow before the Lord. So so you had the priests, which were from, from Aaron and his sons, and then you have the Levites who were uh, of the tribe of Levi, Levi, and they could come in and minister before God in the temple. But then there was all these other people that that couldn't, you know, that weren't of the tribe of Levi, weren't, weren't um, a part of the priestly line. Mm-hmm. But they could take this vow of consecration to the Lord to say, I, I want my whole life to be dedicated to God. And, you know, there was things like they wouldn't cut their hair, you know, they wouldn't drink right. alcohol, things mm-hmm. like that, you know, kind of almost strange things. But some examples of people that we see who were who are Nazarites in the Bible are, you know, people like Samson, who was the worst Nazarite ever. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, and then you have like the prophet Samuel, you have people like Elijah and Elisha, you have in the new Testament, John the Baptist, who was a Nazarite. The apostle Paul took a Nazarite vow for a portion of time. And what's so interesting about it is this Nazarite vow was something that was, uh, it was voluntary. It wasn't required of the people mm, of God, but it was, yeah. it was something that was voluntary. of Someone saying my whole life is given over to God. And something so interesting about it is the word Nazarite in the original language 
it actually is the noun form of the verb to consecrate to where oh, wow, it's cool. Yeah. It's someone coming wow. into this place of going, my, I, I will be the embodiment of a life that's laid down for God. And so many times in specifically in the old Testament, you see God using people that had consecrated themselves in powerful ways to turn mm-hmm. generations back, to turn a nation back. And, um, so, I mean, that's some of the first areas that you see that in the scriptures. Um, but one piece of that, this that I think is so interesting and I think has a lot of application for us today, you know, is one of the other places that this is talked about, that Nazarites are talked about, that this idea of consecration and holiness unto God is talked about, is in the, is in the book of Amos. And so Amos is, is speaking to the nation of Israel on behalf of God, and he is calling them back to God, calling them back into relationship with God. And he says something so interesting. He's, he's speaking on behalf of God and he says, did not I raise up some of your sons to be prophets and some of your young men to be Nazarites? But you said to the prophets, do not prophesy. And you said to the Nazarites, take wine to drink. So really interesting, right? Okay, so let me like break that down for us. So you have I think what's so interesting is God saying, I raised up some mm-hmm. of your sons to be Nazarites. So we'll look at people in our generation, right? And we'll go, man, that person has, you know, if we'll see somebody, it's like, I, I won't watch that. I'm not going to listen to this. I'm not going to mm-hmm. walk in, in this lifestyle. We'll look at them. We'll go, man, they're um, a little over the top, right? Like they, sure. yeah. <laughs> they're, you know, going too far or, or we look at it as legalistic or we mm-hmm. say, man, they must have a really dry relationship with God. But I love what the Lord says is I raised up some of your sons to be Nazarites. So it wasn't just this person's personal preference to say, you know what? Well, that's just my preference. I'm going to walk like this. God raised them up for a specific purpose. Mm-hmm, yeah. And that purpose was the same reason he raises up the prophets. So he, he raises up prophets to, to call a nation out of sin, to call a nation back to their original purpose of righteousness and closeness to God and relationship with God. And for the same reason, he raised up the Nazarites of people who's by their very lifestyle calls a generation back into radical devotion to God. And that's why the people of Israel are going, don't prophesy and don't walk in that lifestyle because Mm -hmm. it's convicting me of sin. I believe there's a need for that today of where God would go. He's looking for people that are willing to say, God, I am giving you everything in my life to be used by you, to come before you on behalf of a generation. And that's so much of what we see in this biblical concept of consecration. So I know I just went on a rant there for a little while, but that's kind of encapsulating it for us. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. 2024 has simultaneously felt like the longest and shortest year. Our little family has gone through so many highs and lows and joys and valleys. I mean, Hunter's growing up so crazy and our calendars are so crazy. And this is usually the time of year where so many of us give up on our New Year's resolutions. And while some of mine have not panned out, to be honest, there are some that have. I am personally really proud of my consistent workout routine this year. It has been something that has been so off and on since having Hunter. It's also given me so much mental clarity 
clarity to be physically active. I'm also really proud that I have instilled regular rhythms of rest in my life and not just rest when I'm burnt out, which was usually the norm. When life moves so quickly, let's just slow down and celebrate our little wins and move forward in faith and make adjustments for the rest of the year. This is your little mid-year check-in. Therapy can help you take stock of your progress and set achievable goals for the rest of the year. So if you're thinking about giving therapy a try, try BetterHelp to keep you on track. It's entirely online, so it flows with your lifestyle, and you can select a therapist that fits your needs and beliefs, but also feel the freedom to switch at any time to find the best match. Therapy gives you the space to talk about the good, the bad, the ugly, and process it, which can be really hard on your own. So visit betterhelp.com slash truth talks today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash truth talks. No, that's so, so good. I, you know, I didn't know a lot of that stuff. I mean, the, the awesome thing about the turban and just a lot of the context makes it so much more rich. Like I love the word consecrate and how like how visual it can be. Like it literally paints such a vivid picture of being yeah. set apart, of like yeah. literally removing something from from where it is and setting it to the side, setting mm-hmm. it to a better place. And like you were saying, like it's really convicting because we can read the Old Testament. Like I have like over probably the last, I mean, I grew up in the church, but even over the last four or five years of my life, which is a fraction of my life that I've been around, like I just now realized how beautiful the Old Testament is and just have Mm. loved it. But I think we have all, you know, been in this kind of headspace where we think, okay, that's really cool for, you know, the Nazarites then and the Israelites then, but how literally so poignant this is for where we're living here and now. And we think, okay, that generation was so horrible. Like, like think about (laughs) the people in Elisha's day and like all those different things. I'm like, y'all, this is where we're at too. And like, this is where like God is constantly like raising up other people. And there's always going to be in this fallen world, a need for this idea of consecration. And I just love learning more about it. And I totally can tell how, how much God is really like impressed on your heart about this. So, um, I, again, like I know this word is huge to you and that's why we had this, we're having this conversation today, but this call of revival, like you were talking about for this generation and calling a people to being set apart, it's actually not just something that we're randomly talking about today. Um, like for people listening, this is actually something that's been on Luke and his wife, Rebecca's heart for a long time. So Luke, I would love for you to tell our friends listening, you know, what God has put on your heart over the last, you know, year and this whole movement and idea. Yeah, absolutely. Well, just to give kind of, I guess, a little bit of the storyline, um, it was back in right before, I guess, as the, the pandemic was hitting in May of 2020, I was in a time of prayer with the Lord. And I was just asking the Lord, you know, kind of like I said at the beginning, I was saying, Lord, what are you asking me to do? Because we had had to shut down a lot of the things that we'd been doing in that season. And as I was praying, I really felt like the Lord put it on my heart. And I felt like I just heard the Holy Spirit put on my heart and say, I want you to call the young people of America to consecration. Mm. And I was familiar with that word, but it wasn't something that was just in my everyday vocabulary that I would think about all the time. And I was like, you want me to call them to consecration? That's very specific. And I remember the Lord said, I want you to share this with Jenny Allen. So if you're not familiar with Jenny, Jenny leads a movement called If Gathering. Mm-hmm. And Tara, I know you're familiar with Jenny. Yeah. And um, and so my friend Daniel and I had just spoken at If Gathering a few months before that. And so I had only met Jenny like twice. Um, and so I was like, you want me to share this with Jenny? I'm like, I don't even <laughs> really know Jenny. 
I'm like, but okay. So I, I called Jenny and I'm like, hey, Jenny, I'm like, I feel like the Lord has put this on my heart. I don't even know what this is going to look like. But I just, would you just pray about this with me? And I just felt like the Lord said, I was supposed to share this with you and ask if you would help. And she's like, I will absolutely pray about this with you. And so over the next several months, um, this was leading up to my wife and I getting ready to get married. And I felt like the Lord said, I want you to put this on the side for a minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Cause for me, I have a very one track mind. And if we're, you know, if right. we're moving toward consecrate, I'm like, I will be, I'll split my focus. And I was, the Lord was sure. like, you need yeah. to do this season of engagement and coming mm-hmm. up to the wedding really, really well. That's good. And so I put it, I put it on the side for a while. And so my wife and I, after our, our wedding, we spent some time just in prayer and just asking, Lord, what are you asking us to do over this first year of our marriage? And I felt like he said, this consecrate word that I gave you to call a generation to it, I'm releasing you to run after it and I want you to go for it. And I get up and no kidding, I look at my phone. I haven't talked to Jenny in probably four months at least. I look at my phone after getting up from that time of prayer and I have a text from Jenny and she said, I've been thinking about you today, my friend, in this consecrate word, and I think this is needed. Mm, wow. And I was like, okay, Lord, I'm taking that as confirmation yeah. that we're going to do this and we're going we're gonna to go. And so even with that, you know, the Lord spoke to us two cities. He's like, I want you to do uh, the first uh, gathering in Dallas. And I won't say where the next one will be just yet, but I want you to do this gathering in Dallas. And I was like, Dallas, why Dallas? I'm like, I live in Nashville. I'm like, I don't even know like hardly anybody that lives in Dallas. Um, But all of these things like crazy just started falling into place. Totally forgot that Jenny actually lives in Dallas. Um, And just thing after thing of the Lord just opening these doors of favor for us to have the gathering. And part of that as well, we really felt like the Lord put on our heart that Matt Chandler was supposed to be a part of this gathering as Mm -hmm. well. And Matt is in Dallas. And so Matt heard the vision. and He decided to come on board as well. And so we are believing for God to to raise up a generation that is consecrated, where I believe that we could see revival in America in our lifetime, that we could see a generation turn to God if we get just a few that are saying, God, my entire life belongs to you, whatever you ask me to do, wherever you call me to go, whatever you ask me to lay aside, whatever you ask me to put down, I will give everything to you. And so that's what we're believing for. And that's what we're calling people into. I love that. Every time I hear that story, like it is obvious, like even to someone who doesn't know the Lord, I'm like, how can this not be obvious to you that it's a God thing or it's a miracle, just the way that he really worked it out. And he even worked it out. Like you said, like even when you put it on hold to get married, which like we did the same thing too. I'm like, I'm kind of the same way, Luke. I'm like, I gotta be all in, but he (laughs) worked it out, you know, regardless of the time and, you know, other things and other factors in your life. And I just think it's so cool how it's just so plain and God is obviously doing it regardless of what's happening, you know, in this world and he's really protected it and you guys, which is really exciting. But, you know, this idea and this need for consecration, you know, I mean, we have a just like a generation, not only just in this last year or two, but that's just really wavering. And I feel like Obviously, it's been a hard time for people, but I think as Christians too, our eyes have been open to a really unique opportunity, a really yeah. unique opportunity to, like you said, call people to consecration, to um, call people to revival, to be regenerated, their fire just set back on 
for the Lord again. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, our mutual friend, um, Gabrielle Odom, had her on the yeah. podcast, friends. If you listened to that episode a while ago, um, had her on the podcast, but she is always just encouraging me. She always um, is talking about when um, Elijah was up on Mount Carmel and he was telling yeah. them, it's like, you guys are limping between opinions and you yeah. guys are lukewarm, basically, you know, kind of like what yeah. God says in Revelation too, that you're not hot, you're not cold, you're lukewarm. Yes. And it's this idea of like, you know, not standing on one side definitively and being rooted, but having your feet, you know, on both sides of this bridge, if you will. And, yeah. you know, Luke, when, when you kind of look at just like the last year or where we're at right now, like, what are you seeing? What are you seeing this need for? I mean, obviously this need for consecration, but yeah. you know, is this really needed? Do you really think that it could make a difference? Like what has yeah. God really been stirring? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think for so many, this idea of consecration, it, it's almost a scary one for so yeah. many people. I was talking yeah. with somebody, I, I had just been speaking at an event and talking about consecration. And I, I was, uh, coming down after the event and somebody came up to me and they're like, man, I was so stirred by what you were saying. They're like, but that word scares me. Oh, and yeah. I was, I was yeah. so interested. I was like, oh, I was like, it scares you. I was like, okay, tell me why. And he goes, man, he goes, growing up, he goes, when I heard the call, this call to consecration, uh -huh. he goes, it was so dead and lifeless. And he's like, it was this laying aside joy, laying aside calling, laying aside mm. so many dreams and purposes that I felt like I, that God had put into my heart to basically, you know, basically, basically like go be a monk. Like I'm just going <laughs> to yeah. go be a monk somewhere. Yeah, sure. And you know, I, I, I want to get back for a generation, the joy that is in surrender and holiness. That's good. And mm -hmm. I, I think, you know, the Bible says in Hebrews, it says, it, it says, pursue holiness, for without it, no one will see God. And I, I, if we can get back for a generation that the pursuit of holiness is not about being a goody two-shoes or about legalism, but yep. it is about a desire to be close to Jesus and saying nothing is worth hindering that in my life. And, you know, I, I think of the great men and women of God throughout history, you know, two specifically I've been thinking about in the past few days one, her name was Lottie Moon, and she was a, a Baptist uh, um, missionary to the nation of Burma. Mm -hmm. I believe it was Burma. And she gave her life on the mission field for God. And, you know, a woman whose life was consecrated to God, who yeah. was sold out for the mission of God. And when I, I read the things that she writes or that others like her wrote, I don't see a, a lifeless dead relationship with God. I see a relationship with God, but I, the kind that I want. Right. And yeah. you know, she said one time, she said, how many there are who, because Jesus paid it all, think that they need pay nothing, mm. not knowing that the chief end of our salvation is that we should partner with God and bringing back a lost world to him. Wow. And I think of the, the life that she experienced. Another one that I thought of was uh, a man named C.T. Studd, which she just has like the best name ever. Yeah. But there was this there was this thing that happened in the United States in the late 1800s, early 1900s called the Student Volunteer Movement. And it was the greatest era of missions sending, or one of them, in United States history. And almost everyone that was sent out were either college students or young people. Mm. And it was launched. There was this famous evangelist named D.L. Moody. And he yeah. called together all of these young people from around the country 
Um, you know, I'm praying that something similar happens when we get together in October for Consecrate, but he called all these young people together across the country and mm-hmm. he challenged them to live for God. And there was one of them there named C.T. Studd. And they made this, this pact, essentially. They're like, we will live for the evangelization of the world in our generation. And C.T. Studd wrote this poem that a lot of us have probably heard the first line of it, or maybe you've, you've heard it before. But the last line is what gets me is he says, in the first line, he says, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ yeah. will last. Mm. And then he ends the poem with, and at the end of my life, he says, how happy I'll be if the lamp of my life has burned out for thee. Wow. And I think of you know the words of the Apostle Paul where he says, my life has been poured out as a mm-hmm. drink offering You're right. before right. God. And... You know, I just, I think so many people are afraid of this idea of consecration or look at people that would, would, you know, be like, I, I am, I'm all in, or, or they, they would, again, like I was saying, people that have said, I, I will live in holiness. I will live in separation to God. And they'll be like, man, they're a try hard, you know, sure. <laughs> like this is yeah. like, yeah. you know, I think of like, I love to play basketball. Right. And I'm like, I'll go to the gym and if everybody's just there playing for fun. And then there's one guy that's playing to win everybody kind of gets ticked off by that guy and they're like, whoa, <laughs> yeah. try hard. And I'm like the apostle Paul was like the ultimate try hard. He was like, he, he says, don't just run the race, but run in such a way as to get the crown, mm-hmm. like give everything you've got run to win. And I think, you know, with that, and this is the last thing that I'll say on my you know second rant here. No, it's but, all good. I'm soaking it up. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just like, you know, he says run in such a way as to get the crown. And, you know, the Bible talks about in the book of Revelation where where it's we see the throne room and there's the elders around the throne of God and they throw their crowns down before the Lord mm. and they say, worthy is the lamb to receive the reward of his suffering. And you know, in book of the book of Revelation also it t- Jesus is talking to the churches and he says, you know, persevere, endure, you know, do these things, you know, separate yourself, all of these things that he's calling them to. And he says, you'll receive the crown of life or you'll receive this other crown. Mm-hmm. And you know, yeah. Paul says, run in such a way as to receive the crown. And I think the greatest tragedy in life would be us standing before God one day, being able to see Jesus in all of his worth and all of his goodness and all of his glory and in, in, in the, the magnitude and the magnificence of who he is. And the tragedy won't be that we didn't have a crown you know, because we squandered our life. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about heaven and hell here. I'm talking about us as how we lived as believers saying the tragedy isn't us not having a crown that just goes, Hey, look at me. I did a good job. But it's when we see Jesus in all of his worth, having nothing to lay at his feet, yeah. I think would be the biggest tragedy of like, man, I wasted my life. And now that I see the one that I was living for, I so wish that I had given everything, you know? And I just, if yeah, we can right. see a generation with that heart, I believe, I believe it would turn a nation and a generation upside down. That's so good. You know, I am so encouraged by that and, and challenged by everything you just said. You know, and like you said, you know, people get really intimidated by this word. I've been there. There may be some people that are listening like that. But, you know, what you were saying just moments ago was saturated with 
I mean, for lack of a better word, motivation. Like it's all about why we want to be consecrated for the Lord, why we want to lay down these things and be set apart. And that why is because we desire God, because we want to love him, because we want to follow him, because we know, you know, if Jesus died for me on the cross, like I tell people this, if he died for me on the cross, then I can trust and follow what he has next because like that was enough for me to literally follow him and be willing to set myself apart and to lay down things. And so, you know, I think it's, it's this lifelong process in a way of just reminding yourself that, yeah, like I am not going to get it right every single day. I'm not going to be able to set myself apart and pull myself away from the world or, you know, the bad parts of social media or idols or any of these things. But it's like, hey, if I'm getting my desire straight, if I am getting this desire to love God, to follow him, to pursue holiness, because we know that on this side of earth, we're not going to be holy, but to pursue holiness, um, that really just, I think, kind of takes the pressure off in a way, but also just gets back to the heart of living consecrated. Because I mean, God really knows that we can't do it all the way and we can't do it perfectly. But um, I just really appreciate, Luke, how you're like, yeah, this is the motivation. We do it because we love God. And I really think like the Bible tells us over and over that, you know, that what we desire, our actions are going to follow, right? Like our affections, they're going to follow. And so I think that's kind of a good reminder. But you know, as we kind of close and wrap up, like super tangibly, you know, for us, for those listening, like what are some ways, I mean, I know this has been stirring in your heart too, like ways that maybe um, you and maybe your wife too have really found to like practically like live this life of consecration. Like, you know, people listening, it's like, I really want this, but I don't know what steps to take. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think one of the very first things is uh, a prayer that that King David prayed, where he says, "Lord, would you search me, and would you know me, mm-hmm. and would you see if there's any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting?" And I think that's where it starts. We have to we have to come into a place of saying, you know, it, it's not about searching yourself because yeah. I think that's when you can get into a place of you know, for me especially, like I'm an analyzer, and like I will overanalyze every motivation, everything. Yeah. But if yeah. we'll come in with a place and we'll go, Lord, would you shine a spotlight on anything that does not please you, anything that would hinder me going deeper with you? That's the place where we start, and the Holy Spirit will illuminate those places in our life that mm-hmm. He will convict us of any areas that are unpleasing to Him, and starting with those places. And I think. Um, another big piece of this is not so much focusing, I would say again, like analytically on, well, maybe that's unpleasing to God, or maybe that's unpleasing, or maybe Uh that's unpleasing. I mean, if it doesn't line up with scripture, obviously, like, let's, you know, let's get it out. Right. But if, if there are things in our life, um, that are, are unpleasing to the Lord, the great, the best way that I've found to identify those things is not like necessarily searching through my life. But pursuing Jesus with everything that I have every day and stirring up in myself a hunger for more of him. Yeah. And when my primary desire, as also David says, you know, one thing I ask and this I'll seek is to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. When that is the chief desire of my life, I can start to tell when something is hindering my mm. intimacy with Jesus, yeah, when something good. is is hindering. It's like, it feels uncomfortable. It feels uneasy. And there's been things like, I remember this one time I was telling somebody the other day, I was listening. I remember in high school, I was listening to this one band. And like, if I said the name of the band, like nobody would even bat an eye at it. Like, it's not 
Like there's no profanity. Like there's nothing really like even inappropriate uh-huh. in this band. And they're like, and I'm listening to them on this, this car ride. And I just, I felt like the Lord was saying, Hey, that that's no longer something in your life. Like this, this, I want you to go to a deeper level and something he was specifically calling me to. Mm-hmm. And I want you to uh, remove that from your life. Something I never would have identified, but something that as I began to pursue the Lord, it was something I could sense the Lord was like, there's something deeper I want to call you into. Yeah. So I hope those yeah. two things are, are helpful. No, that's so good. I think, I mean, it's a dangerous prayer. Like you first started out, I yeah. mean, in a way, like it's it's a hard prayer. It's, it's not one that we really want to do. But again, like for me, like when I come to a place where I realize there's things like that and I do get up the nerve and the boldness to pray that. Like, I mean, honestly, we can just pour our hearts to the Lord in the messiest of words and situations. But like, you know, it's one of those things where if you remember, hey, like this is why I'm praying this prayer. I, I want this because I know that God has a better way for me to live and that if I just take this step in obedience, I can just just watch and see what God will do by sanctifying and consecrating and renewing my heart. Like I think we just have to be trusting in God that he like he knows what he's doing and he will yes. do it. We just have yeah. to take like that tiny little step of just admitting it, which I think yes. we think is the biggest step and it is hard for us because you know we're <laughs> we're not perfect and we're weak, but like literally God is doing the most through that. You know, yes. if we if we just come to him, he's not even not even like a halfway thing. God's like I just I just want you in your yeah. honesty and let me show you what I can do. Like um so that's like what I always have to remind myself of, but again, not super easy, but like, I really, really appreciate that. And just how like I'm now realizing how big of an example David was in this idea. Mm-hmm. So this is, yeah. this is really, really awesome. Um, I have been loving this conversation and um, I literally don't want it to end, but in the same sense, we are going to continue this conversation this year in October. Yeah. So Luke, as we close, tell our listeners what's happening. You've mentioned it, um, October and Dallas, Texas, what is happening and how can people listening join us? We are so excited. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So Consecrate is uh, it's going to be a two-day event that we are doing in Dallas. It'll be very similar to just like a conference style, but we will hear from different young leaders across the country. We'll hear from Matt Chandler and Jenny Allen, and it's on October 15th and 16th. And the purpose of the gathering is to come together as a generation from all over the country to say, we are putting our stake in the ground and saying that our lives are fully devoted to Jesus and believing that out of that, it will be a moment that turns into a movement in our nation that sees uh, young people all over the country living fully for Jesus, which will result in people that don't know him coming to know him. And so the ways you can get involved, you can hop on our website at consecrate2021.com to grab your tickets. Um, You can also uh, visit our Instagram at consecrate2021. um, And those will be two great ways to get involved and to stay up to date with what we're doing. That's awesome. Yes, I will have everything linked too so you guys can go check it out. Um, Luke and I hope to see you in person. Um, If not, I know there's other online options for you guys, but um, Luke, thank you so much for taking the time. I know you guys have had a crazy busy schedule, and um, but I really appreciate you coming on and sharing. I always get so excited hearing um, your heart for the Lord and just how rooted you are in His truth. So I'm so thankful for your friendship and um, yeah, I'm so pumped and so thankful. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on, Tara. It was really an honor.